Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Well, good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here. And look here, Bob got here before we got started this morning. Oh, Bob. There's coffee, hot coffee, and cookies. Hot coffee and cookies, everybody. And it's Meredith's birthday. Yesterday. Yesterday. Now, if I remember right, she's 35 again, right? <laughs> no, I'm teasing about that. You can look at her and see she's not 35. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a lesson you probably had several times before. Daniel in the lion's den. Do we have a picture up there for that? Why don't you just go ahead and put that up there. And Daniel chapter 6 is what we're going to be looking at today as we think about this particular subject and uh, what's going on in Daniel's life. By the way, this will be the last lesson about Daniel. We, we looked at Ezekiel and Daniel. And uh, this is the last lesson on them. And uh, now our quarterly is going to go to 1 Thessalonians. So we'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians next week. Um, to tell you the truth, I haven't looked to see what, what it's about. <laughs> and what scriptures we're taking, but it will be 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Alright, um, as we uh, think about this particular subject this morning, uh, who's got our, uh, you've got it over there? Okay. Uh, Penny, would you give that to one? Let her read us in our opening prayer this morning. Is that okay, huh? All right. Our Father, as we come to you this morning, we want to say we're thankful for the many wonderful blessings that you've given us and for the opportunity to meet with um, those of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are believers in you. And uh, we ask you to help us to um, listen as you talk to us through your word, uh, through the experiences of Daniel, and uh, help us to realize that those words are still for us today. And give us a desire to be close to you, to follow you in each and every part of our lives each day. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> you remember last week's lesson. We studied about the end of the Babylonian era. Babylon as an empire is no more. And now we're to uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. Mainly we call it Persia because they're the ones that 
really in control. And uh, uh, this is our life. The country of Persia is the same as Iraq today. So you might keep that in mind as we think about these things. But uh, as we come to chapter 6, the first thing we see is something that happens against Daniel. Now you remember last week we talked about uh, Daniel's age when he was thrown into the lion, uh, when, uh, uh, I'm sorry, when uh, he uh, read the writing on the wall for uh, Belshazzar. And uh, uh, we're looking at an individual uh, between 75 and 80 years old. Now, the closer I get to those ages, the less it seems like it is. <laughs> it's not as old as I once thought it was. You talk about an individual being 80 years old, I thought, oh, he's decrepit. He's over the hill, you know. All right, let's read these first few verses. Darius. Now, this is the uh, head of the Persian Empire. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them, so that the king would not be defamed. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy and no negligent negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may the king, may king Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, and notice what he says, all the administrators of the kingdom. I think you left somebody out, but anyway. Uh, the perfects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as the law of Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the document. Now the king here is called Darius. Historical records don't give anyone 
I've read by that name. But Darius was a name like Pharaoh or Caesar. Now, if you mention Caesar, you're not talking about necessarily Caesar Augustus. Or if you name Pharaoh, uh, you're not naming a particular Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And so the word Darius is used like that. And this man's name was actually Cyrus. C-Y-R-U-S. He was the Darius that was in charge of Persia at this particular time. And Persia conquered Babylon. By the way, we find that Cyrus is also the individual that's in charge when the Jews are allowed to go back home. When they're allowed to go back to their homeland. And uh, so that gives us a little bit of idea about that. Uh, it's still early in the media, media Persia Empire. And it's not very much longer until he gives the edict allowing the Jews to go home. We know that most of the Jews didn't go back. Many of them did, but most of them did not. We studied a little bit about that when we were looking at the rebuilding of the temple. You remember a, a few weeks ago. So, uh, to establish himself and his rule over the territory that had formerly been Babylon, he feels the need to appoint individuals to be administrators, to be individuals that would help in ruling the kingdom. It's so large. It's a huge area. Uh, I didn't put that in my notes. But I, if I remember right, uh, it said it went all the way from India to uh, most of the Roman Empire. It included Egypt. And it went north to uh, a lot of the area that Russia occupies today. So it was a world kingdom. It was a world empire. And he placed in charge of these individuals three governors. And then he is just about to appoint Daniel as the head of all the governors. So Daniel is going to be second in command in all of Persia. That reminds you a little bit about Joseph, doesn't it? When he was he was able to answer the dream of Pharaoh. And he had the dream about the uh, fat cows and the skinny cows. <laughs> Remember all that. And uh, uh, he interpreted that to be seven lean years and seven productive years, seven productive 
prior to 71. And uh, he advised the Pharaoh that he needed to do some things in preparation for those lean years for uh, a time when that uh, it would come when uh, they wouldn't have full crops. And so Pharaoh said, who better to do that than you who have seen all these things coming? And so uh, he appoints him to be second in command in all of Egypt. We don't have time to go into his brothers coming to Egypt. And, you know, that brings all of that to mind, doesn't it? And they see him and understand he is second command in, in Egypt. They don't get any idea that this is their brother that they're sold, they've sold into slavery in Egypt. But anyway. And uh, so uh, Daniel has uh, performed well in his responsibility, his duty. He's just done what was normal for him, what was right. And uh, he was serving his God as he served this emperor. And uh, he wasn't trying to push himself above the other administrators. But Darius was able to see, or Cyrus, the work of this one governor and how he outshone all the others. And notice, as they're trying to find fault with Daniel, they're trying to find fault with him like they would have found fault with themselves. And so that's telling us that these other individuals were honest. They weren't trustworthy. And Daniel was. And so the emperor was able to see this. He was able to understand that Daniel was head and shoulders above the others. And so he was about to appoint him as second in command over the whole empire. Now, the other governors and the satraps too are jealous. They're jealous of Daniel. And so what can we do to bring this individual down? And so they, they tried and tried and tried to find fault with him, and they could find none as far as administration is concerned, as far as his rulership, governing, is concerned. And so they said, well, there's only one way we're going to be able to take this guy down, and it has something to do with his religion. Has something to do with his worship of his God. And they had watched Daniel, and they knew that three times a day Daniel bowed before his God in his own room. He wasn't ashamed of it, he had the window open, but he would bow facing Jerusalem. We'll talk a little more about that in just a moment. They had seen him doing that. They knew he did that. And so they knew that if they passed a law, they got Darius to pass a law, that no one could petition anything from a god or anyone else except a petition to him, to Darius, that they would be thrown into the lion's den. 
And they got him to do this and sign this law as a law of the Medes and Persians. And even the Persian king now could not revoke this law once it's passed. Now by the way, if y'all decide there's something that you want explain more or something that you see that you want to make a comment about, uh, let us know. Uh, I, I'm not trying to hoard the time today. Uh, we want you to have a part in the discussion that's going on. And uh, so uh, just let me know if you want to make a comment or ask a question. Now, <clears throat> this next part is Daniel being caught and accused. Verses 10 through 15. Says when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in the upper room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Did you not sign an edict that for 30 days any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, As for all Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they reported to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went to the king and said to him, You, the king, know it's a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance that the king established can be changed. The new law, crafted by Daniel's enemies, presented to the king, and the king's pride. Oh, no one can be petitioned. You can't ask a request of anybody in the kingdom but me. You see his pride? You see what they saw in the king? They knew that the king would buy this. <laughs> they knew the king would say, oh yeah, this will help me unify the kingdom because nobody in all the Persian Empire can ask anything of anybody but me. And so, Looking into what was happening here, we see that that was taking place. Now, the new law was crafted to eliminate Daniel from prey. Now, they didn't know what Daniel would do. They thought they did. But they didn't know for sure. Daniel could have prayed secretly somewhere. Because Daniel knew about this law. That's what it says, isn't it? He knew about it. 
And so he can dawn into his cell <laughs> if he had one, or into a secret place someplace. I'm sure he had one somewhere, closet, if nothing else. And he could have prayed without anybody knowing anything about it. But that was not his custom. That was not what he had been doing. And so to honor his God, he continued to, doing, uh, to do the exact same things that he had done before. Not changing anything. Now, this ordinance would not only affect Daniel, but it would affect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, wouldn't it not? Yeah. It would affect all the Jews. And maybe other religions too, but uh, uh, at least the Jews that were in captivity there, it would affect them. So it wasn't just Daniel's problem, it was a problem for all Jews. Every Jew was prevented from legally praying to the God of Israel. And that would have meant the same fate as Daniel was facing. The, this law had the potential for evil much greater than even the authors maybe had conceived. Because their idea was to stop Daniel, right? Their, their idea was to get Daniel in trouble. Their idea was to get Daniel thrown into the lion's den. And they knew what that was going to do. Or at least they thought they did But Daniel goes to his apartment or home and looks toward Jerusalem, bows on his knees, and makes his petitions, just like he had before. I'm sure part of his petition was, Lord, I know this law has been passed, and I may be thrown the lines again, Lord, I'm in your hands. Can't you just imagine Daniel saying that? Now, the Bible doesn't say he said that. But I can imagine that was on his heart and in his prayers. And so even though his life is on the line, he continues to pray. And so his enemies, the conspirators, come and catch Daniel. They, see, they don't say anything to Daniel. They just catch him in the act of petitioning Lord God Almighty just as he had before. And um, as these individuals then bring this petition or this uh, accusation against Daniel to him, Cyrus has a completely different reaction than these enemies of Daniel think that he would. He tries to rescue them. He's greatly distressed. Did you see that those words there? Don't you, don't you think that he's saying to himself, why in the world did I sign that right? Why did I do that? I was wrong. But it doesn't make any difference even though the king was wrong 
And even though the king doesn't wish to carry out the punishment, he had no way of revoking it. The law was the law. And he couldn't eliminate Daniel from being under that law. Yes? Don't you think that was God's doing? And I, you know it was God's doing. I mean, God's purpose was to show that he is God overall. Sure. And even animals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is everything that's happening is not happening at outside of God's knowledge. And so this has a purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. And Daniel was. Alright, let's, let's continue. Daniel and the lion's name. Pastor. Yes. I was looking at this uh, this first thing about uh, Daniel being the administrator, king, well, he's over the administrators, and everybody agreed to this law. Yes. And then you said, well, that, that probably wasn't the case. I think it was the case. I think he agreed to the law. You do? Yeah, because it says in the Bible that he was an administrator, all administrators agreed. Yeah, well, I, you know, and my I, thinking was that they, they didn't bring it before Daniel, they just secretly met and and uh, right before the others. I don't know, but if he did agree with it, he prayed about it, he agreed to it because he was going to have God work it. God was going to have this thing because, you know, if they say all people agree to it, all people agree to it. Okay. Even though it doesn't make any sense. Okay. You know? Well, maybe so. Maybe Daniel knew that uh, by him being thrown into the lives, then he was going to be able to be a witness for the God of Israel. And mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe that's, maybe that's what he's saying. Okay, let's read verses 16 through 18. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Do we have that up there? Yep. You see that little window up there? This is much like it was probably uh, in Daniel's day. They were up above. They could throw somebody down into the lion's den. And then the lions, usually whatever was thrown into them, they would just devour it. They would just grab it. Well, uh, let's go on and read. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Now the things that Daniel had been doing weren't hidden from the king either, were they? He knew that he served his God continually. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No divinations were brought to him. No diversions, I'm sorry. No diversions were brought to him. And he could not sleep. In other words, he didn't have individuals to come and entertain. Now, 
the reluctance of the king to throw Daniel into the lion's den is seen in these verses as well, isn't it? Now, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, Darius speaks words of encouragement to Daniel. Now, when we go back to the other passages that we read about Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, we don't find Nebuchadnezzar concerned about Daniel or about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But he sees what God does when the edict is carried out in, in that case as well. And notice that Darius says, your God will deliver you. He said, uh, where is it? May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. He had no doubts that Daniel's God could do that. He didn't know whether he would or not. As he went to his home, his palace, he was anxious about Daniel. Now, let's see what the outcome was. Daniel's deliverance. Verses 19 through 24. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, serving, servant of the living God. The king said, Has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him also. Uh, before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, uninjured, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they and their children and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So, we find that Darius was concerned about Daniel, wasn't he? He didn't want Daniel to suffer the fate of what he knew the lions could do. And so, he's awake all night. doesn't get any sleep. Have you ever worried about anything so badly that you couldn't sleep at night? Most oh, of us have. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we find that Darius gets to the tomb at the first line of day. He had to stay in there all night. So he couldn't go before daylight. 
I, he was awake now, remember, before daylight because he was awake all night. But he was waiting for the first light of day for him to be able to go to the lion's den and find out what happened. And he was overjoyed that Daniel was all right. And then he gave command that the enemies of Daniel, those that had wrongly accused him, those that had caused the law to be executed, that caused Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den, these individuals and their families were all thrown in the lion's den and you see the result. They didn't, they didn't last very long at all, did they? They didn't even reach the bottom of the den when uh, the lions attacked. So, <clears throat> God not only delivers His people from their enemies, but also delivers their enemies to their deserving judgment. All right, let's read verses 25 through 28. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth. May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all of my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For He is the living God, and He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and His dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs, wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now it sounds like two different people, doesn't it? You read in secular history that this Darius is Osiris. So anyway, um, the decree that is issued sounds a lot like what Nebuchadnezzar had said about the God of Daniel. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had said that he is the everlasting God. A God with everlasting dominion. Let's compare these. Darius said that God is called a living God, an enduring God, an everlasting God. His kingdom will never be destroyed and dominion has no end. He's the God of miracles, the God who does signs and wonders on the earth and in the heavens. Now Nebuchadnezzar had said that the Most High, now we don't see Darius calling him the Most High. That's the main difference I see between what Darius said and what Nebuchadnezzar said. Nebuchadnezzar said he is the Most High God. He has an everlasting dominion from generation to generation. All inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does what he wants with the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand 
or say to him, what have you done? And he goes on to say, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of Heaven because of his works. They are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Now remember, that's what Nebuchadnezzar thought. close to what he said. Very close. They are. And what I'm saying today is I don't see in what Darius said his uh, bowing down and accepting this God as the most high God. I think Nebuchadnezzar did. I think Nebuchadnezzar was saved. Now, was Darius saved? Did he trust God? I don't know. Maybe he did. I mean, these are very, very powerful words that Darius gives about the God of Israel, the uh, everlasting God. All right, let's uh, finish up here today. Daniel's life has been saved. And he's promoted. And he is able to rule with Darius and Cyrus for the rest of that time. I don't know how old Daniel was when he passed away. We know that he was, as I said before, between 75 and 80 years old when these things were taking place. We believe that he was between 15 and 18 years old when he was brought into captivity. So he'd been in captivity for a long time. And this was in 607 B.C. Do the math. This is 539 B.C. And according to that, he could have been as much as 85 years old at that time. And he continued to live during the reigns of Darius or Cyrus. But he died in Persia. We think that he was probably 95 years old, if not older than that. An old man. Does this say how old uh, he's talking about tonight? Nebuchadnezzar? How long did he eat? Joseph. Oh, Joseph? Yeah. yeah, it tells us he lived to be 140 years old. <laughs> well, you don't know. Yeah. You know, he could have lived, Daniel could have lived there. Well, we don't know. It doesn't tell us about his death. We just know he lived there longer, several years longer after this particular thing happened. So, yeah, we don't know. God could have blessed him with 140 years too. I don't know. <laughs> That's not a, a common thing in the time that Daniel lived. Most people didn't live to be that old. I think one of the things that we can take from this lesson is that God will deliver the righteous and destroy the wicked. We know that from what we read about the end it doesn't tell us that during our lifetimes here that He's always going to deliver us from things that could go wrong and things that could happen. <clears throat> the righteous sometimes do die don't they? at a young age. My brother, Randy, 
deacon in his church. He taught the young adult Sunday school class in his church, First Baptist Church, Lakeville, Arkansas. And he worked for Eastman Kodak and had to travel out of town a lot. And uh, he was in Tennessee, coming back to Arkansas. And the plane he was on crashed as it tried to land in Little Rock. Randy was young. 30. He was 40. Was he 40? Yeah, he was 40. No, he would have been 40 in a few days. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was almost 40. But that's young, isn't it? Uh, for some of us, that's half of our lives ago. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we wondered, why Randy could have been so useful in that church. We yeah. Which we don't know why God wanted him. He could have wanted him. Yes. He had two young children at home. But we can't know those things. And so God doesn't always deliver, does He? Sometimes we die in times when other people have lived. Well, um, God will deliver those that are saved into His kingdom, right? Amen. When we die, we're going to be in heaven with God. If we know Him as our personal Savior. Those that are lost, those that are evil, they're going to be brought into judgment when they die. So we can say that God is going to deliver the righteous and condemn the unrighteous whether it happens in this lifetime or the next or in heaven. But the same God who delivered Daniel from the lion's mouths can deliver us in our time of stress, trial, and trouble. Maybe things in your life right now that you're going through a struggle, you're going through problems. Maybe your spouse is. Maybe your spouse, Daniel, has cancer and is going through chemotherapy. But God can deliver, can He? Amen. He has. And God is going to be with us as we go through our trials and we can see His help in those things that we're going through. Sometimes we may not see it as we're going through terrible times. But when we get through it and we look back, we can see God's hand in it. As we look at Daniel today, Daniel decided that he would face death, death before caving in to society's rules and the laws of the Medes and Persians that were assigned against him. And these things were not only against Daniel, they were against his God. Because no one could petition anybody, God or man, except bring something to death. And Daniel didn't know what would happen when he was cast in the lion's den. I don't think he received a revelation from God saying, you're going to come out on the other side of this unscathed. 
He was willing to die for his faith. He trusted that God would take care of him regardless of what happened. And you and I can trust God as well. Father, we thank you for this lesson and for all the lessons that we've had in Daniel and in Ezekiel. And Father, I pray that they've been a blessing to those that have come. And help us as we begin another study next week. And I pray your blessings on each one that's here. Be with us in our worship service this morning. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.